So yeah, thank you guys so much again for letting us be here with you and just walking through, extending on from what Michelle was speaking of. You know, it's always great to be able to say, you know what, um, I need to obey God uh, when He teaches me something, when He's asking me to do something. But you know what the difficulty is? If you don't know God, how can you obey Him? Right? And, and it's easy for us to think here in America, well, how can you not know God? I watched the Super Bowl. I've seen John 3.16 on that sign. Or, or you know, I, I've been down the street. I've, I've seen all the church signs. You know, I could come to know Jesus just by watching the street signs as I drive down the road. I used to live, we used to live off of 9th Street um, in Southeast, and there was seven churches in two and a half blocks. Now, I'm not telling you they were all gospel preaching, but there were seven buildings there, anyhow, that said church on them. And, you know, we get asked a lot of questions on this whole journey. Two of the main questions we get asked are, one, are you able, because we're going to work with Islamic people. Okay, so that already conjures up in our mind because we watch too much Fox News and CNN and BBC. And so our mindset of uh, Islamic people is that, oh, well, they hate white people, they hate Americans, and, and they're all terrorists. And actually, less than one half of one percent are part of the terroristic piece of Islam. Most Islamic people don't even realize that the terrorist, the terrorism exists because they don't have access to as much media as you do. And so most of them don't even realize that there's this conflict, especially where we're going, where there's not ready access to the internet. We don't get to, like, we're talking Jesus time almost. You can go over there. We couldn't email back. We couldn't make a phone call back or anything like that when we were there because there's just not access. But they're faithfully following the only thing that they have access to. That, that picture, that video on the end, was us driving out to this village. And some of you have heard this story potentially. But as we're driving out to this village, we, we are told, you know, you're going to go down this good road and then this bad road and then you're going to get to the village and you're going to know you're there because kids will start jumping out of the, the grass onto the car. And, and, and right before that, they were telling us about these snakes. And there's five snakes. One of them is called the black spitting cobra. have no idea why God made that one. Snakes are bad enough. Why do they got to spit? That doesn't seem fair to me. But anyways, we're driving out there, and as we're getting close, she's talking about the snakes jumping out of the, or the kids jumping out of the grass. I'm like, grass, snakes like grass. Why is this going on? So we're driving down this paved road, one of four in the country, and I'm like, okay, well, when we get into the bad road, well, then we turn onto that one road you saw at the end where it's like dirt, and I'm like, oh, okay, we're at the bad road. No, no, that was the good one. The paved road, they don't count as a road. It's just part of the interstate system, kind of. And so then we get to this grass non-road and drive down it for about 30 minutes. And as we're driving down it, sure enough, as soon as we get close to this village, these kids start jumping on the car. As we walk in to this village, you can't even barely see huts. And I mean, this is very similar, the grass on the top. You walk into this area, and, and over here there's a hut that has some people that are living in it. It has a little window with a tin sign that would close during the harmaton when the sand comes in to, from the Sahara and just sits in the air for about oh, two to three months. You get four to five pounds of dust in your house a day. You, 
You then have like this, this other one over here where there was a, a, a little girl that was in a coma. We thought actually she passed away. We found out two, three weeks ago that she actually lived through it and has actually been able to hear about Jesus. And that's profound because when we were there, we thought she was dying and had never heard. The other hut that was beside that one had a lady that was making dinner and she was making some corn and there was a chicken eating the corn not realizing the chicken was next. We're in this big area kind of about the size of the middle section here about half the size of it and there's a woman sweeping up this goat poop that's all over the place so we can hit this beach ball up in the air because that was the only toy that they had and we brought it and the beach ball would fall down and hit the remaining goat poop then hit you in the face and you're trying to figure out how am I going to lie on my immigration form and tell the U.S. I haven't been around livestock so I can come back to the U.S. We start sharing the gospel and realize this was the third time they'd ever heard of Jesus. Did you catch that? I'm not saying this is the third time that this mission group had been there. This was the third time in history, in 2,000 years, that they have ever had access to the gospel. And we sit there like, huh. That's how we process this stuff in America. We have no context for it. We, we think there's lost and unreached people in the U.S., and there are, but some of that is their own fault. The gospel is readily available in the United States. It's so profound that now the United States has more missionaries coming to the U.S. than we have leaving the U.S. Granted, they're not believers. They're missions, missionaries that are Islamic and all other kinds of religions we are squandering away our access to the gospel and yet these people have never heard and, and, and I wonder I ask you as we look at this small passage for a few moments what is it that keeps us from serving God because we have this idea that, that we serve God fully because we exist because we're in America because we come to church but yet we look at this and we, we see something that is profound. And this grabbed my life. If you look at Mark 10 with me, um, you'll see what it is that God's wanting us to be able to grasp and understand. And we're going to take a devotional look at this tonight. So we're not, we're not diving in super deep because of, of the sake of time. We just need to grasp a, a quick little point from here. But in Mark chapter 10, it says in verse 18, it says, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? Sorry, Mark 10, 17 says, And when he was gone forth, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to die, actually. He was gone forth into the way. There came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do to, that I may inherit eternal life? So he comes to Jesus and he's running to him and he kneels in front of him, which none of us really do. Right? When was the last time we came running to Jesus and knelt before Him and bowed before Him and said, God, whatever you want from me, I'll do it. No matter the cost. That, that's not the story of my life. When God asked us to look at the mission field, I said no. Didn't work out so well. God's not willing to take no for an answer. 
And as he's starting to go after him, Jesus looks at him and he says, Why do you call me good? There's none good but one. That is God. You, thou knowest the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not, uh, or sorry, do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And this man answered and said unto him, Master, all these I have observed from my youth. Can anybody else join me in saying I did that? Because I can't, I shouldn't say that, say it that way. But I've never, I can't say that. I probably did some of these this week. I didn't kill anybody. But there's things I've done that are sinful even in the week. And yet this man comes to Jesus, looks like he's got it all together, looks like he's fitting the part. He kneels before him and we would think, oh yes, this is the right kind of guy. This is the one we want serving as our leader. This is who we want. This man is right. He would have already been following Jesus because he was close there and he already knew this terminology that Jesus wanted. But he says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, keep all these commandments. And the man said, I've done them since my youth. But verse 21 says, then Jesus beholding him, loved him, saw him, looked at him and loved him and is just looking at him. That's intense. Have you ever been loved by just being looked at? My daddy does that to my mom. My mom is a pill. I love her to death, and we are very close. But she's a piece of work. How do I know that? Because I'm like her. And my dad, when my mom enters the room, he adores her from the minute he sees her. My mom loves my dad. Or my dad loves my mom. I think my mom loves my dad, too. But He says this, um, and he answered him, Beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing you lack, go sell thy, go thy way, sell whatever you have. Give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Jesus went for his juggler vein. What is it that keeps you from serving God? What is it that keeps you from, from fully investing in what Jesus wants you to do? What is it that God has asked you to do? Because every single person in every single church in the United States, this isn't tailor-made to this church or, or to another church. This is for the believer. Jesus is writing this to us saying, listen, what is keeping you from serving me fully? Because there's something you need to let go of. What is it that you need to give up? This man, it was his money. It's not wrong to have money, but it's wrong for your money to have you. I've never had that problem because I've never had any. Right? But there's other things that have grabbed me. Comfort, fear. But I want you to look at the antithesis of this as we close. Verse 46 the next day, Jesus is walking through this new area. It's called Jericho, right? The same Jericho we know about with Joshua when he fought the battle there. I feel like singing a song, but um, anyways, I won't to spare you. But as Jesus is walking through Jericho, he says this, They came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. 
And many charged him that that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more in great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. I want you to see this picture. See, you. I want you to understand something. Like we could put all kinds of notes up on the wall with all kinds of points and we'll miss the whole thing here. This isn't a thing that has 7, 8, 10, 4, 3 or whatever points. It has one point what is keeping you from serving God because there's two men contrasted here the rich young ruler and a beggar and this beggar as he's leaving as he's standing there not not having any value not having anything he walks Jesus walks past he hears this Jesus and he says Jesus son of David have mercy on me and everybody looks at him and says be quiet you're a nuisance You're annoying. Be quiet. And it says he cries out all the more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I need you. I have nothing. You're all that I need. I don't know if you know this, but we actually just sang that tonight. Do we believe that? That I owe him everything? That he's all I need? That he had a reckless love where he left the 99 for me? I know me! I know me! I know the junk! I know the trash in my life! I don't deserve that! But Jesus loved me. Jesus says, call him to me. And here's the thing that just blows me away. It says, and he, casting away his garment, he takes off his coat and he throws it to the side. And I want you to understand why that's valuable. See, on that coat, everything that he would have owned would have been attached to it. He was a blind beggar. It was known that they would tie all of their possessions, kind of like the New York City salesman selling watches, right? Whatever you need, I got it. Okay? He throws out everything he owns, which is nothing, to the side. Comes to Jesus, and Jesus says, What will thou that I should do unto thee? He doesn't ask for money. Would that have changed his day? Sure. He didn't ask for all these different things. He asked for one thing. He says, What should I get, do unto thee? He says, The blind man said that unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Look, here's the deal. This man had nothing. He didn't even see. And he's sitting there. Jesus says, what is it that you want for me? And Jesus, and this man just looks at Jesus and says, God, that I could see. God, that I could see. And the moment later, he opens his eyes. And the first thing he sees is the Savior of the universe. That is profound. And yet... Two and a half, three years ago, I found myself standing in a village of blind people needing to see the Savior because no one has told them. The nearest access is two hours away. Well, that one was an hour and a half. Where we're going, the nearest access to a church is two and a half hours away. There's no one. They can't just go to a church. They don't even have cars. That's like a three-day walk that I might See you, Jesus. I don't know what God's wanting from you. God asked us to go to to Togo. Would you pray for us? 
I'm not asking you to give me lip service. I'm serious. Would you pray for us? Would you think of us? Would you take our prayer card home? And, and, and I'll even do it this way. Guys, if you could take it home and put it on the fridge, and ladies, if you could put it on the mirror, then I know it will get seen. And you'll pray for us. That's what we want. Because if you pray for us, there's nothing in heaven and hell that could change anything with that. Jesus, the King of heaven, will be the one that will go before us. And we'll just be following him, doing what he's already done. But if, you, if we're not being prayed for, if we're not praying, we're on our own. And that's terrifying. That we might see him. What's holding you back from serving Jesus fully? Father, Lord, we don't know the name of the young ruler, the rich young ruler, but we know the name of the beggar. Father, he was Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Lord, help us to be more like Bartimaeus than the rich young ruler. Father, I love you, and I thank you. Help us to fully serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.